Do you remember the first time that you rode a bike and you just didn't know what you were doing? You hopped on the seat, put your feet on the pedals, grabbed the handlebars, and then pushed off down the street. And then what happened? Well, if you're like me and probably everyone else, you fell and it sucked. And then you had to get back up again and try again. And then you kept trying and trying and it felt like it was never going to end that cycle of getting up and falling. But then at some point you actually didn't fall and you realized you were riding a bike. Well, you got better and better over time. And that's what today's mental model is all about. Welcome to Stock Stories. Welcome to the Stock Stories Podcast. My name is Alex Mason and I am your host and stock storyteller. Thank you so much for listening to this show where we decode the business behind the stock as well as learn about mental models in order to help us make better investing decisions. Thank you so much for joining me. This is so awesome. We're here for another week of the show. And I hope you've been enjoying the stock stories lately. I've really been trying to refocus the show on just its roots, just getting back to the companies, you know? And that's why you're here. That's why I'm here, getting to those companies and getting to those mental models. So I hope you've enjoyed my renewed focus here (laughs) as we begin to close out the latter part of this year in 2021. And I'm just excited for what's to come, excited for more stock stories. Over time, you guys have sent me a whole backlog of suggestions for companies to cover, even mental models to cover. So I'm going to make sure that I get to that because I want to make sure that I'm delivering what you're requesting. I want to make sure that this show is as highly valuable to you as possible. So today we are going to go into a mental model And without further ado, let's just get right into it. We're going to talk about Wright's Law. All right, so today's mental model is called Wright's Law. And first of all, I have to give some credit to my friend Javier from Instagram You can follow him at Millennial Mogul Investing. And he actually had a post several days ago that talked about Wright's Law. And that's where I first came across this. And I was like, hey, this is a cool mental model. I should do an episode on it. And so let's talk about what Wright's Law is. Wright's Law says that the costs of goods and services declines exponentially due to the advent of technology and technical knowledge. 
Let me repeat that. Wright's law says that the cost of goods and services declines exponentially due to the advent of technology and technical knowledge. All right, so that's the technical definition of what Wright's law is. Now, let me break it down in a little bit of a more non-technical definition, though. From my perspective, this is how I kind of define it. The more often a task is repeated, the less time and effort it takes to accomplish the same task. Got it? Okay, now let's break this down and explain the concept a little bit further. Then we'll talk about the mental model in the context of investing. So first off, how did this concept come about? Well, in the early 1930s and in the 1940s, American industry was really focused on producing weapons and resources for the war effort. It was all about supporting the industrial base of America. And one company that was instrumental in doing this was a company called Curtis Wright. And at the time, it was actually the largest aircraft manufacturer in the country. And Curtis Wright still exists today. You can actually look them up. They're a publicly traded company. They still make industrial equipment. Obviously, the company has changed a lot since then. We're talking about almost 100 years ago. But Curtis Wright is still around. And one of their employees, his name was Theodore Wright. He was an MIT-educated aerospace engineer. And he published a paper back in 1936 noticing a pattern. And what he noticed was that when airplane production doubled, the cost of labor went down 20%. Now, think about this. How is this possible? How could people produce more with less? How can you spend less money on labor and actually make more at the end of the day? Well, the answer is innovation. What Wright proved using academic data is that we learn by doing. And let's think about this. We know this intuitively. The first time you learned how to ride a bike, it was very difficult. The second time you learned, you were a little bit better. But by the 50th time that you rode a bike, it was easy, right? Now let's talk about this mental model in the context of investing. How do we apply this knowledge? Well, I think that this theory is important for companies to understand because they should always be gaining efficiency over time. I mean, there's new processes, new tools, and new technologies that are coming out all the time, and they need to be created by somebody, right? They don't just come out out of thin air and then we say, oh, wow, there's a new technology, let's use it. People actually have to invent this stuff. And this is the heart of innovation. This is what drives businesses forward. And then also not to be understated is the importance of company culture. If a company has the most state-of-the-art tools, equipment, and they hire the most talented minds, none of it matters if the company's culture is not focused on working together to solve problems. I mean, wealth results from a company's collective ability to solve problems. That's it. So how do we apply this info as investors? I mean, okay, company culture, that's important. Companies become more efficient when they have a better culture. All right, we can understand that. But let's talk about 
company valuation. On this show, we evaluate a lot of larger businesses with rich histories. Now, some of them simply continue to exist based on the inertia of their past successes and aren't actually improving that much from year to year. I mean, we've talked about companies like this where they had this really innovative history and now they may be part of the S&P 500. They've grown to this huge size, but they're just kind of lumbering along and they're not really delivering much innovation from a business perspective. They're not performing that great, but they're not performing that poorly either. And you and I, I mean, (laughs) we want to stay away from these companies. They're just not worth it. They don't deserve a place in our portfolios because they're not innovating. They're not applying rights law very, very well. And so some companies rapidly improve in spite of their size. Even though they're big, they're always getting better. And a recent example of this is Amazon. And Amazon is just killing it. I mean, they are already a huge company. They're already already a really big company. Most companies of their size would not be innovating at the rates that they are innovating at. And so that's a good sign to me. I mean, they've been doing a lot of things to make sure that they're on the cutting edge of many of their business lines. And I expect that to continue. So how do we tell the difference, though? How do we actually know what we can look at to determine whether a company is applying rights law very well? Well, one thing that we can pay attention to is research and development, research and development costs. If you were to look at the 10K or annual report of a business and you go down to the income statement section in the financial statements, there is this line item called research and development. And this is a particular cost to a business that is, well, it's exactly what it sounds like. A company is trying to find new, better ways of doing things, trying to invest in new product lines or new services that they don't currently sell to customers, but they want to in the future. And they have to do some upfront development work in order to actually make that happen. And this is where a lot of companies hire their science department. They hire a lot of technical people usually to try to figure out something new, try to invent something new, maybe create some new inventions and get some patents on the company's behalf in order to have intellectual property that they can leverage to create new products and services in the future. But the thing is, this kind of cost, it doesn't pay off right away. And it usually takes time for new ideas to be brought to fruition. So we can look at R&D costs. How is the company that we're looking at reinvesting in itself in order to position itself for future success? And I just mentioned Amazon. So let's talk about them really quickly. They invest heavily in research. Now, I think this is a requirement for any competitive company that's centered around technology services, especially. If you're in a completely different industry, say you're in, I don't know, let's just say you're a chocolate manufacturer like Hershey. Yeah, you're going to have to invest in research and development, but it's not going to be at the same level as a company like an Amazon or a 3M. That's another company we've talked about on the podcast. These companies, they live and die based on innovation. That's it. They have to do it. If Hershey doesn't 
buy the latest chocolate making equipment or improve their processes at the same level, they're probably going to be okay because they've already got a system down for making products that people will pay more and more for every single year, even if the product doesn't change at all. (laughs) So you can see the difference, right? Different types of businesses have different research and development requirements. And in the case of Amazon, I mean, they need R&D. Alexa would not exist without R&D. The Kindle ebook reader would not exist without R&D. It's important to look a little bit deeper than this, though. It's not just about the amounts of research and development spending that the company has, although that's certainly important. Is the company getting bigger or are they getting bigger and better as a result of that spending? So let's look at a ratio that can help us. If we look at the research and development costs as a percentage of the sales, that is something that can be helpful. And you can also find the sales or revenue right there on the income statement in the annual report. So if R&D as a percentage of sales is slowly declining over time, you know that the company isn't really prioritizing new research that heavily, and that could be a problem for technology firms in particular. Let's look at something other than R&D though. Another thing that I like to look at is SG&A expenses. Now, what is SG&A? Well, this stands for selling general and administrative costs. Think of this as the general overhead costs that a business needs in order to run. These are things like employee salaries, advertising budgets, etc. things like that. Now, when you have a young, fast-growing business, you need to pour a lot of money into hiring people, into marketing your services, and a lot more in order to keep up the pace of growth. Now, over time, though, you and I need to evaluate if all this spending is worth it. Are revenues increasing? Are profits increasing? I mean, all of this has to actually result in something. It has to fall to the bottom line eventually. Not right away, but eventually. So look at SG&A expenses and also compare these expenses to sales to look at it as a percentage. Now, these expenses as a percentage of sales should eventually shrink and then stabilize as a company becomes profitable and matures into a steady growth phase. What does that mean? So the marketing campaigns, they should work. The team that's hired, they should be productive. Only incremental costs in these areas should be needed in order to provide more and more value to the business. So look at these types of numbers. They're important to look at in order to consider if a company is becoming more efficient with its investing expenses. Now let's talk about a practical aspect of Wright's Law and how we can use it as investors. Well, the basic premise of Wright's Law is that we get better by doing, right? We get better by actually practicing. Well, the more you practice investing, the better you're going to get at it, right? Especially if you reflect on your experiences and learn from your mistakes. Now, in 2014, several years ago, wow, I can't believe it was seven years ago at this point, I studied my first 10K, and it was the annual report of Coca-Cola Company. And I figured, okay, you know, let me just read this thing, read this document. I don't know what I'm doing, but let me just give it a go. 
And honestly, it was overwhelming to me. I had no idea what I was looking at. I mean, my English is really good. I'm really proficient at that. And I mean, hey, like I went to MIT, like I'm used to dry, large volumes of technical information. That's not something that usually phases me. But for some reason, reading this 10K just kind of intimidated me. But you know what? I read it anyway, and I tried my best. And I didn't look at another annual report, though, in detail until four years later, 2018, when I decided to start this podcast. And that's kind of how rough it was for me. I just decided, you know what? This investing thing is kind of interesting. I I am interested in it, but I'm not going to spend the time to really learn the skill of learning what all of these things mean. And that was a bummer because I could have fast forwarded my progress as an investor much sooner. But hey, that's neither here nor there. The point is that when I cracked open that second annual report, and then the third one, and then the fourth one, and then the fifth one, and I started podcasting and recording all of my thoughts and observations about it here to you on this show, guess what? I got better at it. I got better at understanding what all these terms mean. I got better at understanding the context and learning how to make decisions based on the information that I was reading. And so it definitely didn't come overnight, and I'm still learning a lot for sure, but I am light years ahead of where I was a couple of years ago in that respect. So as an investor, make sure you're practicing. Make sure you're actually spending the time to read annual reports. Make sure you're spending the time to look for great companies out there, whether or not you find them on this show or other podcasts or blogs out there. Or sometimes you just find a company in your daily experience in your life and you say to yourself, you know, I wonder if this is publicly traded. I'm going to look into it. Well, go ahead go to the company's website, look for the investor relations section, and then just start reading everything you can. That's a great way to just jump in and learn more about the company. So this isn't super specific advice, but I think that it's powerful advice because you know what? You just learn by doing. It's great to listen to a podcast like this. It's great to write about something. It's great to talk about something. But at the end of the day, are you doing it? Are you actually investing? I talked about how on Instagram, I shared this on Instagram yesterday, how I just bought some more shares of a company. I haven't covered them on the show yet, but they're called the Boston Beer Company, ticker symbol SAM. And they're the fourth largest brewer in the United States. And there's some things that I like about them. They've got high returns on equity. They're growing relatively fast. Their valuation has just recently gotten what I consider reasonable. And so I was explaining on Instagram how I've been buying shares of this company. Well, I wouldn't be a better investor if I didn't actually commit money and buy shares of real companies. I'm trying to do this alongside with you here, right? I'm trying to become a better investor. So apply rights law to your practice. Make sure that you're actually investing in companies. Make sure you're actually researching them. And over time, you'll learn from your experiences and get better as a result. It'll take less effort to make decisions. It'll be faster for you. It'll be more efficient because you'll be able to quickly eliminate bad choices from your potential list of investments. All right, so what have we learned in today's episode? 
Well, we learned that Wright's Law says that the more you do something, the better you get at it. And in a company context, in an industrial context especially, the more you produce, the lower incremental costs it requires. So tasks become easier and less costly as you do them. That is fundamentally what Wright's Law is. Now, in the context of an investor, we learned a couple of things. We learned that companies effectively that have better cultures, companies that are investing in new technologies, companies that are just innovating better in general, they're applying Wright's Law. They're going to have lower overall costs over time as they invest in ways to save money. They're going to come out with products and services that are new to the market that no one else has seen before because they have the creative imagination and are putting the resources behind their teams in order to bring new things to life. They are going to ultimately be successful because they're out innovating everybody and out executing everybody. So look for those companies for sure. And then we also learned about the practical aspects of being an investor. I mean, you got to actually do it. <laughs> you get better at it the more that you do it and the more that you reflect on your experiences, both good and bad. So get out there and invest. Get out there and do some more research on companies. I am telling you, it is life changing just by putting your money to work in things that you understand. I mean... It's, it's awesome. It's awesome. And I'll, I'll have more to say about that on a future episode on a pers more personal note. But that is Wright's Law. So make sure you're applying Wright's Law to your own life and to your investing practice. And next week, we will have another company episode for you. Thank you so much for listening to the Stock Stories podcast. This episode was written and produced by me, Alex Mason, your stock storyteller. Music was provided by Janelle Leong, Matt Madden, Benjamin Frisch, and myself. And also thanks to the lovely Selenia Caraveo for helping things run smoothly behind the scenes. If you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing it with a friend. The way that this show grows is if you like it and you tell people about it. So let's work together to help other investors learn about great businesses and buy stocks smarter. Now, if you like this episode and want more, maybe you want to listen to all of the episodes in the archive or you want bonus content such as episodes of stocks that are not in the S&P 500, consider joining Stock Stories Premium. This is where I put my absolute best investment ideas and thinking and where we explore more companies. Check it out at StockStoryTeller.com. Again, that's StockStoryTeller.com. Thanks in advance for sharing the show and considering becoming a premium subscriber. I really appreciate it. Until next time, what's your stock story?